Hello, everybody. Hello and welcome to the Thursday night edition of Quite Frankly. It's the pre-show on the 29th of December, 2022. And I think we have a pretty good show lined up for tonight. I'm reasonably confident about most shows that we put on. I say reasonably. And then, uh, and then, of course, my walk out of the building afterwards is always a mixed bag of satisfaction and sometimes regret. <laughs> and then the agonizing prospect of having to wait 24 hours to do it all over again when I really want a time machine to go back and change things. And then I get home and I get some wonderful emails from people. Oh, this is my this was uh, my favorite show in a while. It was like, okay, well, okay, maybe I'm just a freak who goes too hard on himself. But I'm happy that you're here. It is the second to last episode of the old year, a very very old and brittle, frail year, and tomorrow is the last one. It's incredible. Always happens that way. Tomorrow night's show is going to be one of countdowns and best ofs and uh, things like that. Lots of calls, reflections. I don't know. The whole the whole New Year's resolution thing is played out, and I haven't really done it in a while. I haven't really done it in a while because it's not very important to me. I I know what I I want to do. And it's really just a matter of doing the things I'm doing right now better, or altering them in some way. I don't know. Everybody knows what they has to do, have to do out there. We only have a couple of really universal goals that we need to, to take care of, or else everything else is moot. You need good health. You need good health. I mean, that's number one. If you don't have that, you don't have anything. So usually people's New Year's resolutions is something has to do with, with their health. So uh, I'd say start taking yourself seriously. Start taking yourself seriously and, uh, and, and, and do something good for yourself and for your family. Because if you're, if you're not feeling well and if you're not able to leap out of bed in the morning and go out and kick the day's ass, then, then I mean, what, what is this? At least work for it. So that's number one. Uh, when we come back from the new year, from the New Year's Eve, New Year's Day break, we've got some great stuff lined up on the 4th of January. That's next week, Wednesday. Dane Wigington is coming on from Geoengineering Watch. Um, then Toby Wright is coming on. That, that's on Thursday, January 5th. That is going to be a night that is all about frequency and music and frequency change in music, the theories behind that, uh, frequency and healing. Toby Wright is a very accomplished musician, producer. I can't wait to talk to him. I've been waiting for this for a long while. Dr. Chloe Carmichael, she'll be on January 11th. We'll be talking about anxiety and phobias and immersion therapy and other things like that. Timothy Alberino will be on January 12th. We'll be talking about a younger Dryas impact hypothesis, uh, much like the conversations that you may have heard with Graham Hancock and Randall Carlson in the past. But uh, Timothy Alberino, that'll be a great night. I love jumping into topics like that. And the following night, Timothy Alberino's good buddy Leo Zagami is coming back. We worked everything out, and he's coming back. 
and that'll be a great night of um, of Illuminati and Hollywood and messaging and all of that. So, good stuff. Stephen Jonathan, we're going to be talking about that education, that thread that we just started. If you go to the Quite Frankly Forum, there is a thread there about education as a way to prepare children for the coming hellscape that we're all that the world is going to be going through. How do you do that? How do you, as a as a as a parent, as a guardian, as a mentor, through education, prepare children for the very very tumultuous changes in the world that are, are coming our way? That we're already in in the uh, in the first phases of that that change. And Stephen Jonathan is going to be coming on to talk about that from an education standpoint, and we're going to pick through that that topic on the forum. You can go and jump into that right now. I'll share the link at least a couple more times before then. Jay Gulanello will be coming on January 19th. Marjorie Wildcraft from the Grow Network will be on with us January 20th. We'll be talking about food survival mentality, especially since we're seeing skyrocketing prices and still more strains on food supplies. It is happening. And there's a few more. I want to bring Ryan Gable back. I want to bring uh, Corey Daniel back and a few other people. I'm working and I'm always sending out emails and introductions to new guests and circling back to old ones, too. So um, I'm sure that when all is said and done, January will be a very robust, entertaining month. And I hope that you're all here. The other thing that we have to talk about very soon, which I'll just address next week, is how we are going to run, quite frankly, book club. What day of the week it's going to be how it all runs, and I'll start up the threads for those for each chapter, all the chapter assignments. We will use the forum like we used the Reddit. All those wonderful threads, gone. Gone. Because the CIA said no. No more. Because Reddit's another one. Reddit's another one. You cannot talk about the control of social media and just stop at Google and Facebook and Twitter you can't stop there. You have to include Reddit. It's a massive, massive, massive. Um, I don't know. What, 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 what would you call it? A wing? A militant wing of the hive mind? It's nuts. Another failed miracle. But... Plenty more coming your way. I want to thank my sponsors for the evening. That is blue. That is Secret Nature CBD. SecretNatureCBD.com. 20% off. 20% off of everything that you get there. All the wonderful goodies for your medicine chest and for your, uh, <laughs> your middle console in your car. If you need a little bit of a, uh, a CBD pre-roll or whatever the hell it is, does not get you high. It is so high in CBD, so low in THC that uh, it's legal in all 50 states without prescription or having to go to a dispensary or anything like that. So go check out Secret Nature CBD. If you have any questions, ask Tyler and the rest of the wonderful staff over there. They've been in the game for over 20 years on the forefront of all this. Tip of the spear. And you can use promo code FRANKLY for 20% off. And one more reminder, because as of noon tomorrow, the 30th of December, that is it. That's the cutoff for this month's 
monthly sponsor giveaway, which anybody who is a monthly sponsor is automatically entered into it, and those are the only people that are allowed in. That is an exclusive perk of being a monthly sponsor, no matter what you pledge and where you pledge it. Whether it be Patreon or Subscribestar or uh, right through, quite frankly, .tv, Squarespace, or Foxhole as well. So Lauren is going to be collecting all those emails tomorrow, and the giveaway, which will be announced tomorrow night, the winner tomorrow night, is the five gram gold bar and some coffee. So that's uh, that's a pretty, and I hope that the winner is not in Australia, because oh my God, our grand prize winner for the the, the general giveaway last last week on Friday night with my parents here. One of our beautiful, wonderful friends of ours from Australia. And I'm not, I guess it sounds like I'm rooting against you all out there. But let me, I'm only saying it because international shipping, it was a two pound package. It was two ounces of silver, a little bit of, of, of coffee and a little bit of chocolate. I can't, I can't even tell you it's obscene. International shipping is obscene. I can't tell you. So good luck to everybody. Good luck to everybody. That's all I'm going to say. I hope somebody in Connecticut wins. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It is what it is, and I'm happy that people are playing and supporting this show. That's all that matters. But I was flabbergasted today. Oh, good Lord. Okay, into the grab bag we go. Into the grab bag we go. Number one. This is from ReclaimTheNet.org. 63% of voters want the FBI investigated for social media censorship push. After docs show the FBI was flagging tweets of U.S. citizens. If you're tired of censorship, so this is all from ReclaimTheNet. Now that the Twitter files, the cat is officially out of the bag regarding the U.S. government and its agency's involvement in flagging user content on a social site. The question becomes, should this form of censorship she, should be officially investigated by Congress? And I say, okay, so uh, w what does that mean? Tens of millions of dollars more, we're going to start a new subcommittee. Um, tens of millions of dollars more to investigate the FBI so that what? Somebody could write a letter of admonishment, say it's very, very naughty what you've been doing, and admonish the Bureau? Like, what happens from there? So yeah, 63% is a significant number, but it seems to me it would be an insignificant wish that anything would come of it at this point. That's why I keep saying, and that when I have uh, guests like Chris Ann Hall on, we keep coming back around to the one real way that this can be rectified, in a constitutional sense especially, state legislatures, sheriffs, governors, need to start barring feds from operating within their borders. They need to. Now, I know it's going to be hard because of all that good, gushy federal funding that comes for those block grants that everybody's got fat and happy on and completely dependent on. But um, it's the only way. It's the only way. And I would not just stop with the, the spooks. I would kick out the EPA, the FDA, the FTC, the ATF. Go right down the line. They all need to be kicked out. So, and uh, I don't know, what do you want to investigate? And, and who does it? Who does it? Who do you find that is independent enough to investigate the investigators? And under whose authority will they be able to punish 
the investigators, which there's no punishment that is that is um, that is really justified, other than dismantle. That's really the only thing that there is to do. Any punishment is not going far enough. It's not going far enough. So that's what we'll have. Or, but then I had to go pick this up because another reminder. Do you remember this? Here's from FISA. I had to go back a couple of years. December 18th, 2019. All right, we were about to really go down the hill. We were about to really. So the Russia, the Russia stuff had just really wrapped up in late August. They started up with the Ukraine telephone call in September of 2019. By the end of 2019, they had already readied the stage for impeachment, which would wrap up in February. By that point, it was a seamless, seamless, right into COVID, right into COVID. And that, and that was all she wrote. But FISA court chief judge releases a four-page scathing rebuke of Obama's FBI for defrauding the FISA court. Uh-oh, something's really going to happen here. You remember? I, I had to go search for her. Her name was Rosemary Collier. In an unprecedented public smackdown, FISA court chief judge Rosemary Collier torched the Obama FBI for defrauding the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court to obtain bogus warrants to illegally spy on Carter Page, a former 2016 Trump campaign aide. Even that, even that right there diminishes what it was really all about. To illegally spy on Carter Page? No. To be able to have a warrant open for Carter Page means that they could two-hop their way right to Donald Trump himself through the campaign manager, Corey Lewandowski, or whoever else was was uh, that, that, that one degree of separation away from the candidate that they really wanted to take down. But either way, at the time these alleged FISA abuses occurred, Obama FBI Director James Coney, Comey was in charge of the agency. President Trump fired him in May of 2017. In her damning four-page letter, Judge Collier wrote the FBI's handling of the Carter Page applications as portrayed in the OIG report was antithetical to the heightened duty of candor described above. So we got a big-time smackdown big smackdown and that was it there were there's big smackdown and that was it and uh and there you go and now and christopher ray is still sending swat teams all over the country to arrest anybody whose face appeared on those security cameras on the uh, the, the washington dc campus on january 6th still still they're sending out brute squads to arrest people. So there you go. That That's what investigations and smackdowns get you. So I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. Yes, I am. All right. Another little thing over here. This is from Yahoo. A lone Trump-appointed judge in Texas should not have the ability to block student loan forgiveness for millions of Americans, says a Democrat lawmaker introducing a bill to stop it from happening again. Who is it? It is the dumb face of Representative Mondaire Jones. My representative. That big dumb face represents me. I, 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 will, I, will, I will stake money on it. I don't know how much, because you just don't know. I will stake money that this man will become Speaker of the House one day. He is that stupid. 
He referred to Trump-appointed judge blocking student debt relief for millions of Americans. His new bill would channel the authority to D.C. courts and the Supreme Court only. There is no authority, Mondaire, you dumb, dumb man. There is no authority for Congress to not only forgive student loan debt, but to back and issue student loan debt. You see, this is a long line of, again, again, crimes, 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 stacked on top of crimes, which have just become tradition. It's become American tradition. That's what American law is all about now. What kind of crimes have we been committing for long enough that it seems normal? And then to deviate from that is a smack in the face of humanity. And then there's Mondaire Jones himself. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What a dumb, dumb man. Over to South Korea, though. They've got some, uh, they've got some good things going for them economically now. South Korean sex doll trade is set to completely explode after a ban on sex dolls has been lifted. I'm very happy for the South Koreans. They are about to take over the entire world. South Korea's ban on full-body sex dolls has reached a climax after years of hot and heavy debate over whether government can interfere in a private citizen's ability to copulate with a synthetic partner. The full, I love that designation for full-body. You could only go out and buy just the... Get the children out of here. Three. Two. Get out. Out. One, done. It's hilarious to me that we'll, we'll make concessions in places like, like Korea out of the question to have full body uh, sex dummies. But if you want to buy the, uh, the isolated tits or a butthole, then by all means, you can go and buy the balloon tie. You can buy the two big water balloons and just sit there and, and uh, like a squeeze toy. I don't know. It's so stupid. It's actually a little bit, uh, it's, it's, all, it's all messed up. It's either you're buying body parts or you're buying a dead body. It's, so, it's all messed up. But they've got the right to buy full body sex dolls now again in South Korea. While no official laws or regulations exist which ban the import of sex dolls, hundreds, possibly thousands of them, have been seized by customs under a clause which prevented... Can you imagine the warehouse that is filled with these sex dolls right now? The warehouse. Oh, that's a sight to behold, isn't it? under clause uh, which prevents the import of goods that harm the country's beautiful traditions and public moral. Wow. That would be great. That, that's, hey, at, le at least they're shooting. They're, they got they put the, the bar high. Customs, there's a customs clause which prevents the import of goods that harm the country's beautiful traditions and public moral. I'd have to imagine that they meant morality because that's not morale. Uh, the issue was brought to a head after angry importers took their cases to court, most of which agreed and ordered to custom, customs to allow sex dolls into the country to be used in private spaces and on the basis that they do not, do not undermine human dignity. I don't know what that means. 
How do you... How do you... I, what does that mean? Order customs to allow the sex dolls into the country to be used in private spaces on the basis that they do not undermine human dignity. I really wish there was somebody that I can ask to elaborate on that right there. That would be wonderful. Is it childlike sex dolls? Is it... Because um, I, I said a long time ago that there's going to be... there's going We're going to get to a time where uh, sex dolls and robots are going to have civil rights because people are going to uh, start beating them up and things like that to have really like rough encounters with them and shit. So that's that's what I would I would wonder, but there's nobody I can ask. Maybe one day, you know. All right. Um, and then finally, finally, this just happened. This is from the New York Post. Incendiary influencer Andrew Tate, brother and brother, arrested on sex trafficking allegations. Now I don't know anything about this. My feelings on Andrew Tate are neutral to cringe I, I really don't I don't mind I, I know what's going on there I first found him when he was talking about the the um whatchamacall the the GameStop situation AMC and and the stocks I don't I I don't have any real I don't know but I see a lot of people here I can see this being one of those things where he's just being taken down because it got way too popular and he's talking about way too many things. Nothing out of the ordinary. Um, Nothing really game-changing. But for people who are totally uninitiated with with esoteric concepts, mind control, media, um, ritual behavior, anything like that, law of attraction, all of it, um, it was a... There's a lot of that going on right now. And there are people saying that this is all, this is old, old debunked stuff that's being brought up again. And it's all because he's getting really hot in the media right now. Or who the hell knows? Um, I can see one or the other. I can see one or the other being the case. And I, I wonder what you think about it. I wonder what you think about it. Um... It's just happening right now. And here's the other thing that that, uh, really pisses me off. It's coming at the tail end of this little spat. I don't know if you guys saw this happen on Twitter yesterday between he and that that mongrel uh, lab creation, climate change pushing lab creation Greta Thunberg. Um, Well, they had a little bit of a back and forth of course, she's still going on and on and trying to trying to keep her flame alive, talking about nonsense. And then he got in touch with her on Twitter and said, I have 33 cars. And he's always flexing about the cars and how big the engines are. And uh, he said, I'd love to, to give you more on the specs of the cars if you have some time. And she, it was all, you know, snarky and shit. And she wrote back, yeah, sure, you can email me at your dick is small at getalife.com. And it, it, it was so... Pathetic. It's pathetic. It was a pathetic exchange. Uh, But more so that that's her comeback to go to penis this and that. And because I don't know where where all the bots came from, but they came out of no 2.5 million likes. 
uh, everybody from that brain dead George Takei to I don't know you, you they came out of the woodwork to say oh my god epic burn it was the biggest burn in the history of burns everybody's burning that was yesterday and then uh, and then Andrew Tate goes on a live stream or something to respond to her real quick. And he, uh, they ordered pizza or something from a local shop, and apparently he doxed himself with the pizza because it was a Romanian pizzeria, and uh, and there was a warrant out for him in Romania, and they 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 went and they grabbed him. So if you're a brain dead leftist who is just loves to OD on cotton candy and stupid bullshit superficial stories. This is like the ultimate awesomeness that happened. Oh, wow. 2022 just peaked so late in the day. It's amazing. It's just, it's the reason why they say never play chess with a pigeon because the pigeon just knocks over all the pieces, shits on the board, and then struts around like it won. And there's no reasoning with it because it's just a, it's a small nearly brainless animal so i i just when i see it all happening from a distance and just like oh god oh god and then i then i click off and i thank god i never bought any of andrew tate's alpha male courses he he sells things like that i never get into those things but um otherwise i i really don't have too much of an opinion but interested to see where this all goes Interested to see what all goes because he should have enough money to post bail, and then I'm sure he'll go and address the uh, the public. So we have we have things to be excited for. <laughs> all right, be right back. Don't go anywhere. I shared all of the live links across the quite frankly socials. If you can just help me a little bit, get them out. I would love to welcome in new vibrant, beautiful audiences to come and mix with the OGs in the chat rooms, and we're gonna have a good show. Don't go anywhere. One ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! Darkness coming our way in 2023. Well, there's plenty of predictions, plenty of people making predictions, and I want to read one big, one big uh, string of predictions that was made by one Dmitry Medvedev. Got to talk about this, and I, it'll help me set the stage for the return of Jeff Harmon. 
I just want to tell everybody, thank you again for watching. It is the the big show now. The pre-show is over. And if you can just share this out there, give it a nice thumbs up, especially on Rumble. Hit that Rumble, that Rumble Plus button. Because unlike YouTube, it really has a big impact on how people are able to get suggested this show and stumble upon us organically so so give me a give me a little shot to the arm i appreciate it and you can keep dumping those super chats on me at quite frankly superchat.com or through the rumble rants or the gold pills and we'll get through them throughout the broadcast now here it is here's what we had a couple of days ago um it, it was making it was making the rounds because a lot of these predictions are seemingly or seem to be absurd to many people zero hedge had it covered many others did but i tend to favor zero hedges reporting i think they they cut a lot of the fat out and i just get what i need from dollars collapse to musk as u.s president russia's medvedev makes absurd 2023 predictions former russian president and current deputy chairman of the security council of russian federation dmitry medvedev took to twitter and telegram monday night to post his own predictions for 2023 in an unusual move from a former head of state especially given a number of them are not just bizarre but most readers will receive them as incredibly unlikely at least given the mere one-year timeline so and remember, Medvedev is the one that uh, d that Barack Obama was caught on hot mic uh, saying, hey, listen, I'll have a little bit more flexibility to negotiate and, and move around missile defense systems in Eastern Europe um, after the election. So please just tell Vlad to sit tight. You know, as far as quid pro quos go, when nobody cared about quid pro quos. Here's what we have. I'm just going to go right down to it. What did he say? 10 big things that will happen in 2023. Oil price will rise to $150 a barrel and gas price will top $5,000 per 1.000 cubic meters. The UK will rejoin the EU. Oh, imagine that. The EU will collapse after the UK's return. <laughs> And the euro will drop out of use as the former EU currency. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. Something. There's got to be a number of triggering events that, that finally get the euro out of the way, the American dollar out of the way. Poland and Hungary will occupy western regions of the formerly existing Ukraine. I've been hearing that a lot. The Fourth Reich will be created encompassing the territory of Germany and its satellites, Poland, the Baltic states, uh, Chechnya, Slovakia, the Kiev Republic, and other outcasts. War will break out between France and the Fourth Reich. Europe will be divided. Poland repartitioned in the process. Northern Ireland will separate from the UK and join the Republic of Ireland. Civil war will break out in the U.S., California, and Texas becoming, oh, in the U.S., California and Texas. Oh, I'm sorry. In the U.S., comma, California, period, and Texas. Uh, that it, This is weird. So civil war will break out in the U.S., California and Texas becoming independent states as a result. That's interesting. 
Texas and Mexico would form an allied state. I don't know about that. Elon Musk will win the presidential election in a number of states, which, after the new civil war's end, will have been given to the GOP. Well, I mean, it's 2023. There'll be it's, it'll be primary season by the end of 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 next year, but it's not. There's no way for Elon Musk to win the presidential election in 2023. All the largest stock markets. And financial activity will leave the U.S. and Europe and move to Asia. I do not, I do not, I I wouldn't doubt it. The Bretton Woods system of monetary management will collapse, leading to the IMF and World Bank crash. Euro and dollar will stop circulating as the global reserve currencies. Digital Digital fiat currencies will be actively used instead. That is definitely on the menu. Definitely on the menu part of the planned portion of whatever future we are leaping into. So, uh, I don't know, maybe some of it was uh, tongue-in-cheek. Some of it really is like just an impossibility only because the timelines don't match up. There is no election next year. There are special elections next year for some governor's races and things like that, but whatever. And that's where we're at. Now, before we go into our welcoming our guest back, I got to admit, I was I asked for a a bio to read, and I want to read it to you. And there's some things in here I've never heard before, so I'm gonna have to ask I'm gonna have to ask Jeff Harmon this when he comes on. Jeff Harmon is a second-generation astrologer, a spiritual consultant with over 40 years of experience. He's the only astrologer on the planet who stores his clients' records in a filing cabinet or filing cabinets given to him by the one and only George Carlin. I think we might have spoken about that briefly, but I don't remember anything about it, so I want to ask him again. Harmon offers detailed personal and business readings using Vedic, Nadi, classical and astrolocation astrology. He has solved many paranormal cases, including haunted dwellings, UFO related events, and possession. Never knew that. He's cleared people's homes and commercial spaces experiencing negative spiritual attachments and has assisted treasure hunters in deciding if, when, and where to dig. Has also been contracted for special research projects. I, I can, I'm welcoming back our good friend Jeff Harmon to the show on the final hours of the old year 2022. He's here to talk about not only the future, but now I have some questions about the present. Jeff, are you there? Hey, how are you? I'm here. It's, well, welcome back to the show, man. It's great to have you. you on. Yeah, well, thanks for having me back. Well, I got to ask you a, qu- a few questions before we get into 2023 projections. Because sure, sure. I, I asked uh, Camille for a brief bio that I can read for your intro. And then there's stuff in this that we definitely need to talk about. First of all, tell me a little bit about your filing cabinets. They were given to you by George Uh, Carlin. What's the story behind the George Carlin cabinets? Well, I met George back in the 90s. I think it was in the early 90s. I was actually doing a TV pilot with uh, Greg Morris from Mission Impossible, the original Mission Impossible. And um, I went into this studio in Santa Monica and I was 
one of the producers on it and i was playing on the music soundtrack and i said to the studio manager i said you know the studio really doesn't sound good and i said i do that kind of work i said i do a lot of mods for studios that's how i came to los angeles in the early 80s was doing a lot of design work and acoustics on studios and film studios and so on and so forth so long story short um the guy says well i got to talk to the owner well the owner was george carlin and his daughter uh uh, th that owned it and that's how i met george so in, in the process um I, I did some microphone designs for george i did some really custom mics that he would record with and then i got to record them in uh i think it was a, about the probably the late 90s mm. and uh it was really cool because he came in the studio he was in a hurry he had to catch a flight george was on the road like 280 days out of the year and uh, he said to me he says hey you need any filing cabinets i says yeah i said um you know, I can always use filing cabinets. So what he did is he gave them to me and I picked them up, brought them to the office. And I found this Pendaflex with all this money in it. There was probably like three, $4,000 worth of $100 bills in there. So being the guy I am, I went back to his office. I said, George, you know, I said, before you get out of town, I said, you left a lot of money in these filing cabinets. So he swipes it out of my hand. He says, where in the hell did you grow up? Right? Because I was supposed to steal it. <laughs> so he gives me a hundred bucks uh, for being uncommonly honest. And um, that's how I got the filing cabinets. But I got to record him too and um I, I never thought anything of all of that until he died in 2008 and i thought wow that's a piece of history so i still have the little sticker on it that says george carlin stationary and i never took it off and i'm glad i didn't so that's that's my final cabinet story that is amazing it, it, it does the sticker it is it is it like a um i don't know is it written in his in his hand no no it's typed okay it's typed yeah, yeah. that's a great story it, it's a great story. He was a character, let me tell you. I would have loved to have given George a uh, an IQ test. I don't think he would have rang the bell. I think he would have put a hole through it. I really do. The guy was a genius. He was absolutely a genius. It was really funny. I can't mention it on air, some of the stuff he told me, but oh, my God. Oh, good. Okay. Good. Let See, me tell you. Good. Even better than some of the stuff he did on HBO. Just amazing. That's that, Those are some of the things that I would love to have been a fly on the wall for. And and I, as far as his intellect goes, that's something I was always... When I saw this, I didn't know whether or not that you guys were doing any any uh, work uh, in the in, in astrology, if he ever asked you for advice or whatever, because he didn't seem like the guy that would ever read into that. So the fact that you guys were doing studio work... I, I never work, did his chart, but I did his office manager and his wife, and they really loved it and george was just too busy i think he would have loved it you know my, my relationship with george was more in the professional side of yeah. you know audio and recording and stuff like that you know he came into the studio and he wanted to test his new microphone i i took this microphone it's the same one johnny carson used to do the 414 electro voice which is an um, amazing amazing microphone it's actually oh, what am i saying it's a um i, I forget it's a um really a wonderful mic just the same one johnny carson used and i i modified it and he came into the studio and he says all right jeff he says i'm in a hurry I, I have to you know lay this track down and he did and he said well let's just do a mic check right and he just went off and he looked up at me and said did you take that and i said yes i did he said was the levels good i said yeah they were great great give me the tape i gotta get the hell out of here boof he was gone so that's that's how i would record him like really fast wow. really fast that's one and i love that line where <laughs> the hell did you grow up where the yeah, hell right with the money yeah <laughs> okay well then there's another thing haunted house ufos 
possession cases, treasure hunting. Now, mm. those right there, Jeff, I'm not even going to start cracking open that can because that is three separate episodes right there we have to do yeah, together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but before we move on to our predictions for 2023, tell me, about a, tell me about a time that you have helped other people locate treasure or any other important relic because especially when I read this where you said to dig um, – where to dig, if and when to dig. I mean, where to dig for buried treasure is always the obvious question. But I, oh, yeah. I, I'm most, con- I'm most curious as to what, uh, what determines if a person should dig or when they should dig if they should. Well, you know, someone feels they have a treasure located somewhere, <clears throat> and that's you know the big if. And most of the times it doesn't happen. But if they do, you cast a chart. It's called an interrogation chart. And the the fourth house would be the place that you're looking for, whether you own the property or if it's a place you're talking about going to, you use the houses in astrology to determine whether or not something's there. Like I had one treasure hunter literally went out. He, he figured he had Civil War gold on his property. Mm. And went out with this construction crew. We had backhoes, you know, the whole shot. It was it was a big operation. And he, he was sure that he had uh, Civil War gold. And I said, I don't think you have it here. And, of course, nobody wants to hear that when they're sure they do, right? And I said, I, I got to tell you, I would love to be wrong, but I don't think you have it here. So um, he dug and dug and dug and didn't find anything. And I said, well, you're going to find something in this hole. And I said, it's going to be a bunch of iron and old stuff. And that's exactly what they found. Bed springs, old bottles. It was a garbage dump. (laughs) And uh, Mars was in the fourth house. And so you use astrology to look at the signifactors as to whether or not there's something there. Like I've seen people have literally have money buried. And if you can find it, It'll, it'll show it. Uh, like money will either be Venus or it'll be a very strong, dignified Mercury, well-aspected, and especially the moon. So you, you look at the astrological signifactors to see whether or not something's there. Like I had another project we did up in Nevada, and this was pretty close to Area 51, too. And I actually got to crawl up to the top of a mountain. And I was noticing all these strange hovering crafts. It was Area 51. I was probably about 35 miles from it. But I could see it. It was pretty cool. And I wish I had binoculars. Or my iPhone. That was actually right before iPhones really were kicking in. And uh, long story short, the guy said, uh, you know, they were using Ranger tells and all this very sophisticated equipment to test to see if they had gold there. And the charts showed they definitely have gold. And it's a big operation to get it out of there because it's very cheap and it's very expensive. But it's there. And the chart confirmed it. So you, you can really use something known as interrogation astrology that allows you to see whether or not there's something there or not. And you can even tell by the degrees that the planets have ascended into the house in the house question if it's deep or if it's you know somewhat close to the surface or if it's easily attainable so it's very very uh cool stuff i i love listening Uh, that's that's incredible and and, and there will be other times in 2023 that we'll be able to get together and do some specialty deep dives into things like especially possession and haunted houses i wish i had seen that part of your bio a couple of months ago i would have made sure i had Mm. you scheduled smack dab in the middle of october that would have been great but, oh, yeah, um, yeah. Those are dicey, man. I'll tell you, I've gotten sick from some of those. And um, you, you really got to be careful. You know, I know it's very titillating, the Hollywood movies and all that stuff. But I approach that 
from two prongs of astrology. The first one is analysis, which is interrogation. And then the second one is elections. I find when you do the actual clearing of a person or a place or a house, you definitely want to do it at a good time. And I'm, I approach this stuff very carefully. I, I cleared one person. It was actually a, a yogi son from India. And he was really having a tough time. And I got 102 fever from it. But the results were good. So that's, you know, it's it's not something to play with, I'll say that. You know, you, you really want to use the right techniques. And um, yeah, I've got some really interesting stories on that whole topic. You know, I've actually done some pretty, you know, interesting people, I'll say that. Yeah. That you would never think would believe in any of this kind of stuff. And again, I always say belief isn't required. It's it's really a matter of is it happening? And uh, yeah, pretty pretty fun stuff. No, it is. Well, and also dangerous stuff. Dangerous oh, stuff that, at times. That's really exactly is. why I whenever we talk about those things and, and, and deal with those those topics, I'm usually I like dealing with them through an incubator with the lead gloves on and uh, oh, yeah. ta talking That's a good analogy talking yeah. yeah talking about other people's experiences but you know you're talking about the kinds of methods that you use that you employ when you're looking either for lost treasure or relics or one other yeah. thing like that uh, when we're talking about knocking on the door of a brand new year especially one where mm -hmm. in, in our past conversations uh you were very forthright in saying that we are we are heading into a very tumultuous time in 23 right. and into the next few years as well uh, what are you using to uh to assess where you think where this is all heading right now and uh, i'd love to just hear the predictions for 2023 sure uh, well, I use a number of different things. The first one that is always the best to use is something called mundane astrology. Now, that sounds kind of strange, but mundane just is what's in the sky. Um, like 9-11, the banks crashing in 2008-9, and COVID were shown explicitly. I'll never forget in 2001, I was on the phone with a friend of mine, an astrologer. He's, he works out in Wall Street. And um, I said, something's going to happen really big. The next day, I saw the planes smoldering in the towers and then they of course they came down like sparklers from jet fuel right and so did building seven by the way but uh, we won't get into that will we <laughs> but uh, bottom line is the astrology showed it and then the banks crashed in 2008 and 9 when they federalized all your local banks all your big chains anyhow and the patriot act was all put in there's always very deep hidden agendas behind all this stuff and then covid uh, i knew something really big was going to happen in 2020 you know everybody kept saying to me jeff what do you think of the mayan calendar and i said not a single thing can't come up with anything for nibiru can't come up with nothing for the mayan calendar and i'm not demeaning them i'm just saying nothing showed up uh, at least when people you know, expected something to happen. What I did see was 2024 was going to be a crap storm par excellence. And people have to re realize these things aren't just, oh, they happen and it's over. No. When you look at 9-11, the effects of the Patriot Act and the 20 plus years of war that we experienced over in Iraq and Afghanistan and all the terrorism, you know, stuff that went on around the globe, the ripple effects of this stuff is huge. Never again will any of us run through an air and say, wait, don't close the plane door. You know, I mean, now they shake you upside down, scan you, put a barcode on your forehead. You know, I mean, it's it's a, it's a different world mm -hmm. since 9-11. And that was the institution of not only the Patriot Act, but all the things that surrounded it. Same thing with COVID. We're seeing, I think 2020 was a bigger 
event than we even fully have assessed and realized yet. And the reason being is we not only had COVID, but the effects of COVID, plus we had a high-tech revolution of another mundane aspect called the Jupiter-Saturn mutation conjunction, which hasn't happened since right before this country was formed. In, I think, 1762, when George Washington was fighting with the British against the French and the Indian uh, before the Continental Army was, was formed, that's right when we had the Industrial Revolution, which was just then beginning. And, uh, of course, Washington defected, the colonies were taxed, and we know the history, right? They went against uh, the uh, British Army. And then the French joined with George Washington and the Continental Army, which really shouldn't have won. There's some real mysteries around that. But that's very interesting because these times seem to be very tumultuous times. And that's what we just had all through 2020. So we're still feeling the ripple effects of this all coming out. And of course, you know, I don't want to sound too conspiratorial, but does anybody really believe that the elections, any of them, are honest? Of course not. No. They're, they're rigged. And in fact, in California, I don't even know why they have them. They, they should just, you know, put the candidate we're get, in they we're, want. We're getting say, there. Folks, we're get, that's what it is. We're getting there. Becomes, um, it's, it's a big scam. They own this place, just like George Carlin said. They own this place. You have owners. Forget the politicians. And they print the money. And the bottom line is, is where we're at now is look at what's happened in the last two years. You can't shut down the petrochemical industry. And I do call it that because I don't believe it's fossil fuel. To this day, everybody parrots fossil fuel. Actually, it was Rockefeller that got that put in, in the late 1800s. He actually went to a convention, a scientific convention in Geneva. It's on the Internet. People can Google it. And he had the scientists just agree because there were the certain elements in it that could be considered biodegradable, that it was fossil. It's not from fossils. Um, many scientists will tell you that, too, that oil is so plentiful uh, it's just a little bit less than water on the planet. It's huge. There's there's oil everywhere. And it replenishes itself from some of the best scientific minds that I've heard from. And that uh, the oil fields actually come back after about 80 to 90 years, something on that order. And um, so it's, it's, it's an organic process and no one really quite understands it. But it's not from dinosaurs and fish shells and all that, uh, like we've been told. So he's shutting all that down. And... What's it doing? It's destroying the economy globally. And then we're seeing all this tension here with, you know, Iran and Russia and China. They, they want to get a war going. What, the, what I believe they want to do is literally put in a new one world order. And uh, everybody should go to my YouTube channel because I, I just started a YouTube channel finally. Uh, but everybody's been asking me to do it for years. And if they subscribe, they can they can hear about a lot of this. I have a lot of these videos on there. But I believe it is a... Uh, clash between the globalists and the nationalists and we're right around the corner from seeing that and Mars in fact as we speak tonight Mercury is stationing and going retrograde that's another video I just put on my YouTube channel and it's all about going backwards and rethinking retracing and redoing Elon Musk what he has done is quite interesting because Elon Musk I think there's a little more mystery behind the Twitter acquisition than we're being told. Uh, Elon Musk owns one of the largest underground-based tunneling companies in the world. And 
this place is like Swiss cheese underneath us. There's all kinds of huge bases and tunnels all over the place. And of course, we've got all the stuff circling around on top of us. Just go get an app called Skyview and you'll totally see just how much space junk and satellites and stuff there is floating around above us. It's mm. absolutely oh, amazing. I, I, I check that out all the time. Absolutely. There you go. So, you know, so, and it's a lot of stuff and there's more going up all the time. So we're definitely in a clash right here. And I don't think this is a time that's like the Civil War, but it's interesting how close the astrology is, except it's more intense now. Uh, 180 years ago, the United States, when it's formed, had a Neptune square Mars. Now, for anybody who knows astrology a little bit, Neptune is the planet of confusion, delusion, and spirituality. It, it can be all of that. But when it squares Mars, that's the twilight zone. It usually means somebody's urinating down your back and telling you it's raining. It can be trickery. It can be all kinds of subterfuge. And that's exactly what happened right before the Civil War. And, and of course, the Civil War broke out in the spring. I think it was April of 1861. That's exactly when in the sky, Neptune finished squaring Mars. Well, guess what we got going on right now? The same thing. It completes in the sidereal zodiac. Neptune finishes squaring Mars right in March of this year. So what does that mean in plain English? I, I think uh, that and other astrological aspects that I'm seeing, and you asked, you know, Jeff, what are you using? So I'm using a combination of the United States birth chart and also you could say the world's chart, which is the mundane influences. The United States birth chart which is really, for most practical purposes, astrologers use the signing of the Declaration of Independence. That's when they stuck a stick in the ground and said, that's it. You know, this is the line we're, we're, we're going to fight to the finish. And they did, and they won. And um, so that birth date is obviously July 4th of 1776. Um, there's different disputes as to what time it was signed. Um, I use one called Ebenezer Sibley's chart. It's called the U.S. Sibley chart. That's a nickname for it. Um, he was a Mason who was purportedly quietly observing, and apparently the bells started ringing in the churches in Philadelphia right about 5, 10 p.m., and that was all to declare that, hey, they're signing it. You know, they're dipping their pens in the ink wells, and they're scratching away, right? So bottom line is that chart even if you use a different time shows the united states is going through the most tumultuous times it has ever 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 gone through we have a pluto return now anybody listening say well what the heck's a pluto return pluto is the planet of destruction change and it's a lot of ways like a grenade in the room or maybe like a nuke in the room and secondly it is transformation and potentially the phoenix rising up out of the ashes. It, it transforms things so much that something new, a new order starts. Well, a good point in case in the uh, Roman Empire, which was considered somewhere you know, like around 30-ish BC, and I might be off a little bit, but give or take, about 250 years later, uh, the Roman Empire divided. It was a huge, tumultuous time. There's all kinds of controversy going on and, you know, subterfuge. And then on the second Pluto return, which was just about 500 years later or 480 or something like that, it dissolved. So the United States 
is right now 246 years old. And this is when the Pluto return happens. And this is the time, folks, where the world as we know it, or at least the country as we know it, is not going to come out the same way. It's it's going to transform, and it's either going to be destroyed or it's going to be the phoenix rising out of the ashes. And um, I think this and 2024, 2023 and 2024, is when it really clashes because... There's also something known as primary directions. I could show you this on the screen, but you'd have to let me share, share to, or share the screen well, with well, you. I, I would love to. I would love to do, uh, to to piggyback onto that because as what you're talking about here, the the thing that I that runs through my head when you're talking about um, tie-ins to either the war between the states here in the 1860s or mm. the founding mm -hmm. of the country. I know some people would, would debate. There's a, there's always debate going on whether or not it is actually July 76 or would it have been the Treaty of Paris. But I, I, right. I think I think it's a me personally, I don't even know any. I don't I don't do what you do. But if you were to ask right. me, I would say it's very powerful thing when a, a a congregation declares themselves to be one thing or oh, yeah. another. I, I would give more power to that than than a surrender or any anything like that. But but when I look at yep. this now, it's so much more than a local skirmish. Which in the in the grand scheme of things, planet planet wide, the American Civil War was a local skirmish, a local disturbance compared to what was going on in the rest of the world. And right now. I would say that if there were going to have a Fort Sumter moment anywhere, it's going to be in Ukraine. There has been, uh, I mean, there's there's been so many tri trip wires set up to try to get the entire world involved in a nuclear slugfest that it's uh, it's insane that they haven't been able to uh, pull it off just yet. But they're trying to get their other ducks in a row, as you said before. There's definitely financial jockeying going on. There's a gigantic transhumanist population control element <laughs> to this. Um, the res the resets are global now. It's not local so that's, that's right. I, I i take i take what you're saying in that respect and i'm trying to extrapolate out in the, uh to the the rest of the world so on that uh go ahead what, what else do you have for us well no what you just said caps it up really good and see what they really want is to kill off probably half to three quarters of the human race and what's left they want transhumanism or ai that's that's their goal but will they achieve that i don't think so but they're going to try and they're already trying um you know what what's dire here look just just uh, just before the show i was hearing goldman sachs just laid off 500 people in september guess how much they're potentially going to lay off in the middle of january just take a guess four thousand 4,000. These are investment bankers. So you, you, it's very transparent what's happening. When you when you look at Biden shutting down the lifeblood of the economy, you know, if they had the dilithium crystals and they had all the free energy, please bring it on. We'd love to have it. But they don't. Okay, you shut down trains, you shut down semis. I'm talking to people in all walks of life in Australia, New Zealand, uh, also in Europe, in the all over the United States, people in building trades, people in trucking companies, they're all telling me, Jeff, we're having trouble just getting general parts. And when we do, they cost two to three times what they should, and they're delayed two to three times longer than they should be. So, and and this clown in, in, in the Washington, which is Biden, it, of course, I don't think it's Biden. We know it's not Biden. Biden, I, I don't think Biden and Harris could tie their shoes collectively together and get it right. They're, they're just 
figureheads. It's the owners at the top of the pyramid. They're doing this globally. I mean, I'm talking to people in Europe who say, you know, Jeff, our, our fuel costs and our, our heating bills are four times what they were last year. Not not double like here. They're four times. Hmm. And some people can't get anything. And I'm hearing stories in Australia that are really scary and New Zealand, too. And this goes all the way into the military. So it's this is a global effort and it's well funded to basically bring the societal structures to their knees. And if they can do that, then you know what will happen? People say, please save us, please feed us. Well, here it is. Here's your digital one world, new world, one world order currency that we can turn on and off wherever you go. And if they can get that put in, we're in deep trouble. Yeah. And I think I, I started to say earlier, Elon Musk is a very mysterious guy because he, I, I was talking about he was really he gained most of his wealth and was able to achieve tesla largely due to the dod contracts he was getting yes huge huge dod contracts so you know and again this government is our, our u.s government is so complex and so massive it is like this machine that is way beyond just what the district of criminals controls yeah the the congress and the senate and the house and all that they rubber stamp everything and biden signs whatever they put in front of them but the bottom line is nobody knows what the hell they're really doing this is all being orchestrated from a much higher level from behind do you know how many lawyers it would take to draft a 4,000-page document like the omnibus bill they just passed? Yeah. I mean, it's, that's massive. It's massive. Just like the Patriot Act. Yeah. So it's... you have tentacles behind the scenes running all this. And um, I actually have some clients who work in some really interesting governmental places. And no one knows everything. I certainly don't claim to. But everything I hear, I have one, one guy in the Fed who's telling me it is really some eerie stuff that's going on right now. And what's where all this is going is if they can get it they want to gut the middle class and put everybody in destitution with their green energy policies and then what happens everybody is on the verge of starvation and will scream to have be saved that's how they get their new one world or currency in I um, we see a lot of the new universal basic income pilots that are popping up all over the place that came in by way of the programs that were first introduced by way of um, COVID, which just stuck around because they, they would rather have people uh, not motivated to do anything, go out there and fight for themselves and, and provide for themselves. Exactly right. So, yeah, they, they definitely are screwing with the species and. It's a scary thing. So now, as far as 2023, then, is this the year, would you say this is the year that puts the, the ball on the tee for what is going to be a, a, a year of far more significant conflict in 2024? Or is this going to be just as, uh, just as a, a, a big of a roller coaster ride as 24 will be? Well, here's a couple of astrological indicators right january 17th the united states has the planet of karma saturn going right over the united states moon i don't care what time they sign the declaration that's going to happen plain english that's always a dire time the belts you know tighten up people get more restrictive with cash i'm already seeing it and you're going to see the economy even slow down more and of course look at goldman sachs i mean the fact that they're going to lay off that many that's four times the amount of people 
that uh, actually five times the amount of people they just laid off. So um, that's a lot. And uh, that's just the investment banking sector. And I'm hearing this across the board from many different sectors of, of you know the world. So long story short, it, it may be uh, by the fall particularly there's what we call primary directions primary directions is a fancy term for each day that the earth rotates or if you're a flat earth or each celestial mechanical cycle is literally a year in primary directions well when you take the united states which is 246 years old the primary directed mars is going to conjunct the u.s moon when it really gets hot right around the end of July into September, October, and it perfects in November. Perfects mean it, it becomes zero degrees right over the U.S. Uh, moon. Now, the moon is the general significator of the populace, of the people at large, the public. Mars, planet of war. And I have never seen moon and Mars not be a very tumultuous, very dicey, and very you know explosive time. And this... I can tell you, you can take to the bank. If, if I had to look at what really worked in astrology over the years, I would have to say solar arc primary directions, like I just mentioned, which is just advancing the chart one degree per year for each you know, body in the chart and looking at their geometric aspects has been exceedingly accurate in my own life and in other people's lives. Mm. And I can tell you the United States has that one happening. And that doesn't just happen when it's exact. It starts happening when it gets close. It's kind of like when you get close to light and sound, they intensify. So this really intensifies from about summer forward quite strongly. And we've had Mars retrograde, which is going to go direct in the middle of January, right around the 13th. That is slowly going to be sweeping over the United States, what we call air trine, starting when? Probably right around May, June. So there's a lot of triggers here. Um, also... I would say this in 24, and you might be right with, I like that analogy, putting the ball on the tee, because in 2024, we have probably one of the most dangerous aspects I've ever seen in the US chart. And that is primary directed Saturn, the planet of karmic energy, joining the US Mars. If that doesn't bring some kind of a major conflict, I'm going to be stunned because um, between now and this next presidential, the next presidential election, we may not have one. Well, uh, let me ask you this. Pretty now, intense. Now that I know that you are, are I, 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 can't, I have to imagine it's like a, a close sibling to the work that you're doing, but to dive really into the esoteric and, the, and ritual behavior, um, aside hmm. from... Aside from our experience here being charged by all the celestial activity going on above us and alignments of celestial bodies and whatnot, um, for those out there who pay very close attention to the alignment of planets and other and stars to be able to, um, I don't know, to amplify the actions they're going to take, whether they be a, I don't know, a... a, a, a a positive benevolent ceremony or some kind of an attack or whatever the hell else for those who pay very close attention to Saturn this would be a time that they would be plotting around this alignment 
Well, it certainly is a time that precipitates a lot of intensity. Mars and Saturn, uh, one of the metaphors I always like to use is that you feel like you're bashing your head against the wall. Um, it's it's a great time, though, to roll up your sleeves and get something done. And I want to give some positive news here because, first off, there's a positive 12-year cycle in Nadi astrology that also starts over the top of all this, and it's Jupiter. Jupiter is not only the largest planet in the solar system, but it's also exceedingly powerful. They call it the planet of the blessings, or you could say Jiva in Sanskrit, which really means, if you look at its glyph, it's the crescent of the moon over the cross. So it, it really is. It's like the wind in the sails. It's like the life breath force of the soul. That's why they call it the blessings. Well, that starts again right around January 4th of this year. So even though all this is going on, and I love to bring up George Washington, it's like, yeah, we're in a crap storm, folks, and it's not going to be easy, and they have set it up this way. But there may be a divine saving grace through it all. This, this might be, again, the clash of the titans here between the nationalists and the globalists. You know, Lenin... I think was the one who said, and I, and I read this on the Reagan Library wall, and it really struck me. And I have it on one of my YouTube videos on the channel. And I literally have a picture of it. It, it struck me so much. He said, and this, I quote Lenin, he said, we do not care if we kill three quarters of the human race, as long as the quarter that's left become communists. That's how they think. So you're saying that we're going to have to cross the Delaware again. <laughs> It's kind of looking that way. It, yeah. And that's a really good analogy. You know, I, I got to say, I, I've really become quite a, a history buff um, for, for a long time. And when uh, there's a lot of mystery surrounding George Washington, he was a really interesting guy. Was, I guess he was a pretty, pretty big guy, about 6'4". And apparently they had his uh, coat on display in the Smithsonian and it was full of holes. And there was a legend, of course, nobody knows I wasn't there, but it's reported to have been true. And that is when Washington was fighting with the British in 1762 against the French in the Indian War, they had shot every officer and it was just a horrible battle. And the only guy who didn't get shot was Washington. And they saved his coat. And apparently there's bullet holes all in it. And he never, ever bled a, a drop of blood. And later, uh, the story goes, if I have it right, uh, Washington then formed the Continental Army. They made the Declaration of Independence and said, screw you, we're, we're going to go against England. We're going to win and become a, come, come America, right? Um, apparently, it, the Indian chief who had fought with him a number of years earlier had uh, ran into Washington and told him, he says, we tried to kill you and we shot you a number of times. And we saw this great spirit over you. And that spirit, we knew you were gonna lead a great nation to existence. And of course, when he was then with the Continental Army, and I studied, you know, speaking of crossing the Delaware and all that, the uh, there was a man, I forget his name, it was a great article just recently, who, um, was a, a fisherman up in Boston. He was part of the Marbleheads. And I forget his first name, and I, I wish I could remember it, but um, they had ferried Washington, all the ragtag army, they were really depleted. Some of these guys didn't have shoes or holes in their shoes, and all the cannons and the horses, and they made this sneak attack in New York and the Bronx, and they literally saved 
the army, and that's what tipped the war. And again, a lot of uh, very knowledgeable strategists in military say he shouldn't have won that war. He, he should not have even come close. It was we very didn't have sloppy. cannon factories, didn't have the money, the resources, and yet we won. So there's a divinity to the United States. And I think if we stay towards keeping people free, freedom of speech, and all this great stuff that our Constitution stands for, that's what will make this country stand. Because God in the divinity is always above the demonic spirits. And that's what's behind all this, really. Yes, That's yes, really it what's is behind all this, I, and I, 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 I do believe so. I, we've, we've talked many times about that on this show as well. That there's some sort of uh, providence that is baked deeply into. Then again, anybody who is a patriot of their own country and and a lover of their own country's history um, tends to think that there was uh, God's guiding hand involved in in some of the way that their country came to be, their culture was created. But uh, yeah, I, I know exactly the battle that you're talking about. It starts with an M, and it's it's a it's a it's a, a name I cannot pronounce on my own. Um, but not only was there four bullet holes uh, through his jacket. But I think that Washington right. e even had two horses shot out from under him as well. That's exactly right. Two horses. That's exactly right. And, uh, and, and, and yeah, it's like, who is this man? Uh, tell us more. But uh, Jeff Harmon, it's been great. Uh, we, you've been on the show, seems like a half a dozen times now, and I know that we have so much more to discuss in 2023. This has been a, uh, a tremendous way to cap off the year. If there's anything else that you want to just uh, 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 leave people with, especially how to continue on following your work now on YouTube and anywhere else, your URL is in the description of the, the episode here. Uh, closing thoughts, the floor is yours. Well, you know, you, you hit it right. This is kind of, we got to cross the Delaware again. It's almost the same analogy. And I think our country, the astrology shows this country is on the chopping block. It really is. The crosshairs of the new one world order is get rid of the United States, bring it to its knees. And this whole situation that we're seeing and the media control, what Musk is exposing, if, if Musk can acquire Substack, which is where the journalists come in and they have free reign to access stuff like they should have, like the Associated Press used to be, this could tip the scales. And I think Musk might be backed by someone very, very powerful who is a collective on the nationalist side. And we're going to see how this tips, but I tend to think we're going to see a little surprises coming out of Washington Supreme Court here, too, that might tip the scales here very soon. So I, I remain optimistically positive, but I also say this, I can't sugarcoat this year coming up. This is going to be an intense couple of years, but we need to stay strong and people really need to discover the truth. And that's exactly what's happening here. I think, you know, we always knew they were lying to us, but now we can prove it. And that is the Twitter dumps, you know, all the collusion, all the stuff. Of course, they're downplaying it. But uh, I see we might be the phoenix rising out of the ashes. The problem is you got to have ashes to rise the <laughs> phoenix know. out of. So we got to go through it. Yes, it is. Well, thank you so much, Jeff. I hope you have a wonderful New Year's Eve and all the best to yeah. your family. And uh, hopefully we get to we catch up often in the yeah, new year. Yeah. We'll do some more. Yeah. All right. Yeah, go to my YouTube channel, everybody. You can you can we're putting out a lot of videos on that. Will do. So that's just people should just search Jeff Harmon on on YouTube. 
on YouTube. Yeah, just join, and then that way you'll get notified when we come up to uh, to new episodes. So we're putting a lot of stuff out there about this. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to subscribe yeah. myself. Thanks again, Jeff All Harmon, right. and Happy New Year, my friend. You bet. Thank you for having me on. Take care. Talk to you soon, and Happy New Year, bud. Okay, Absolutely. Bye. Be well. Where the hell did you grow up? That's a that sounds like a great that's a that's a great line. All right. Well, we are going on a really quick intermission when we come back. Your calls and a few other things. Maybe I can dig up the that old Indian legend about Washington. That would be that'd be nice. But so much more. 10 after 8. Don't be late. Welcome to Intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Yeah, Intermission. Frankly. Quite 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 frankly, in Roma, Italia. I really like you. You're very smart. So everybody watch, quite frankly, with Frank. Quite frankly. How dare you? I have a little bit on, I think it's the Battle of Monongahela. Monongahela. I found it in some of my old notes, bookmarks. I have them meticulously uh, divided up and categorized into folders. Let's see, where's a good place to start here? On July 9th, 1755, the Battle of Monongahela began when General Braddock passed through a ravine and an army half his size hiding behind borders and trees annihilated him. This is when they are fighting the Indians, the natives. Officers were mounted targets. Washington rode back and forth on the line through a hailstorm of musket balls delivering Braddock's orders as he was the only officer still on horseback. 
He could not take command until the wounded uh, Braddock was carried from the field. Unfortunately, the two-hour ambush left 976 casualties before Washington could save what was left. A British, British soldier recorded, quote, I expected every moment to see him fall. Nothing but the superintending care of Providence could have saved him. So at this point, Washington is, a, is, is, is relaying messages amidst the slaughter and he has to whatever commanding officers are left washington is the one that is going back and forth and everything that is being fired at him is is missing surrounded by slaughter the british regulars quote broke and run as sheep pursued by dogs end quote washington later wrote his virginia militia continued to die attempting to aid the fleeing british the pursuing Indians were slowed only by their thirst for battlefield scalps and booty. Of his approximately 100 volunteers, quote, there is scarce 30 men left alive, end quote. Washington was angry. He said, quote, the dastardly behavior of those they call regulars, the British regulars, the lobsterbacks, exposed all others that were inclined to do their duty to almost certain death, end quote. The first miracle of the battle was that Washington was everywhere in it, although extremely ill. Quote, I was scarcely able to do, as I was not half recovered, from a violent illness that had confined me to my bed and wagon for about 10 days. I am still in a weak and feeble condition, he later wrote to his mother Mary, telling her that he needed another two or three days to recover a, quote, little strength, end quote just to start his journey home, but expected many weeks yet to recuperate fully. He must have had COVID. When safely at Fort Cumberland, Washington wrote his younger brother, John Augustine Washington, on July 18, 1755, quote, By the all-powerful dispensations of providence, I have been protected beyond all human probability or expectation, for I had four bullets through my coat, and two horses shot out from under me, yet escaped unhurt, although death was leveling my companions on every side of me. Washington wrote, and to the same to his mother, Mary Ball Washington. So this is all in his, uh, in his writings here. Fifteen years later, Washington and Dr. Crake, a personal physician and close friend, were traveling through those same woods near Ohio River and Great Kanawha River where they were met by an old Indian chief. Now, I don't know how much of this is true. They were met by an old Indian chief who addressed Washington through an interpreter with the following story. Quote, I am a chief and ruler over my tribes. My influence extends to the waters of the Great Lakes and to the far blue mountains. I have traveled a long and weary path that I might see the young warrior of the great battle. I was on the day... Uh, it was on the day when the white man's blood mixed with the streams of our forest that I first beheld this chief, talking about Washington, I supposed. I called to my young men and said, Mark Yon Tail, Mark Yon Tall. Okay, Mark Yon Tall and Daring Warrior. So do you see that tall and gorgeous man over there? Slaughtering and dodging bullets like it's the Matrix. You see that guy over there? It's special. There's something about him. Something about his eyes. Hypnotic. He is not of the Red Coat tribe. He hath an Indian's wisdom and his warriors fight as we do. Himself alone exposed. Quick, let your aim be certain, and he dies. Our rifles were leveled. 
rifles which but for you knew not how to miss. Twas all in vain, a power mightier far than we shielded you, one warrior declared. Another said, I had seventeen fair fires at him with my rifle and after all could not bring him to the ground. Seeing you were under the special guardianship of the great spirit, we immediately ceased to fire at you." End quote. I don't know if any of this stuff is true, but it's awesome. Then his prophecy always comes down to a prophecy. I am old and soon shall be gathered to the great council fire of my fathers in the land of shades. But here I go. There is something bids me to speak in the voice of prophecy. Listen, the great spirit protects that man and guides his destinies. He will become the chief of nations and the people yet unborn will hail him as the founder of a mighty empire. I am come to pay homage to the man who is in who is the particular favorite of heaven and who can never die in battle. The man who cannot be killed. This is from the man who cannot be killed, George Washington Park Curtis, Recollections and Private Memoirs of Washington, Philadelphia, J.W. Bradley, 1859, published. Now, uh, as far as Washington's confusion as to how he could have been spared in that, as he said, a slaughter that was going on around him, that's all in his personal letters. I don't know, and I'll do a little bit more digging on whether or not that interaction with the chief the Indian chief was real, but either way, that's just one of many little stories that hint at divine providence being a, a big part a big part in um, in our history over here. Cool stuff. All right, into the grab bag, into the super chats, I should say, which is like a grab bag, truly a grab bag because I don't know what's coming at me. Silky Johnson says, Frank, any idea when you may have Ryan Gable on again? That Saturn episode was fantastic. Does he ever dig into Saturn in literature or its meaning in music and art or in pop culture? Ever hear what radio emissions of Saturn sound like? It's pretty creepy. Yes. Yes. I All those deep space emissions, especially around planets, are very creepy. Uh, but Silky, if you can send that to me in email, I will take note of it because... Ryan Gable will be coming on in January, and we have not really laid out what the topic is going to be just yet. But I would like to build on the Saturn conversation to start adding more and more layers of context and then moving on to new groups and new iterations of those cults and those belief systems and, and all of that. Um, that would be That would be the way that I would prefer to approach it. So please send me that email so I can put it down as a, a note. Stostube says, good Thursday, Frank. Great guest. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Stostube. You and your wonderful family. Silky Johnson again says, hey, Frank, I hope you and your family had a wonderful Christmas. When you say Congress cannot uh, wipe out student debt, how is that so? I did not know that and would love to hear why. However, briefly, thank you. Well, um, Congress can't wipe out students. There's nothing. How can Congress? All you have to do is open up your constitution, which is the, it's the instruction manual for Congress. What little they have in the enumerated powers. Article 1, Section 8. Um, there, there is nothing there that intimates that they could back private lending institutions in 
delivering high-risk loans to students so that they can go and learn to be a lesbian ballerina. I, I don't I don't know I don't know how else to say it. It's very it's very simple. That is never. Um, they have no right. They, there is no power. Only through judicial tyranny and through the normal uh, what we should consider normal machinations of a of a word twisting lawyer would we have somehow turned a limited government into an unlimited government where we can do things like this. So to even talk about whether or not we could, uh, the, the, the United States government can forgive, can you know go and declare debt jubilees and forgive debt is actually secondary to the conversation about how none of these loans should have been given or should have been approved or should have been backed by the federal government in the first place. Now, aside from that, if it weren't backed by the federal government, then again, a student and their parents or guardian or anybody that's going to come in and co-sign on a loan, whether it be for a education or for a car, that's a risk that is taken between private individuals and a private lending institution. And the, the lending institution has to uh, assess the risk, whether or not they think that their client is going to be able to pay this back with the interest so that they can make some profit. And the people going in need to assess, am I going to be able to pay this? Should I take the mortgage out? Should I take out this mortgage? Or am I going to lose it all? And are they going to, I mean, this is, this is just responsibility. It's individual responsibility. It's what being an independent person is all about. This whole idea about, well, we're independence and freedom. I mean, it really comes down to your independence as a, as a person and how mature you are in, in, in dealing with other independent people around you and all of your overlapping interests, everybody looking out for themselves, that is. Well, everybody has to look out for themselves. A, a, a bank, no matter big or small, has to look out for themselves. A consumer has to look out for themselves. A school has to look out for themselves. And that's just what the free market is all about. And if you screw up, it looks bad on you. It looks bad on your, your credit history, looks bad on your reputation, and, uh, and nobody wants, wants to deal with you afterwards. But the federal government is not, is not a, a moderator in all that. There's no authority for it. No authority. The, the, the list of things it is an authority on and has power over is very, very brief, right there in your constitution. Buy it. Get a pocket constitution. You can read it on a lunch break. That's how quick it is. The people on TV and dummies like Mondaire Jones, they want you to think that this is way too complex an issue. This issue is way too complex. You should just sit back and keep watching American Gladiators and we'll deal with this for you because this is very, very complex. It's not complex at all. Thank you, Tiffany Vinci on Rockfin. For your wonderful tip we have a great group of people that are hanging out with us on rumble right now and i'll tell you those rumble uh the plus signs go and give us a rumble plus over there in the chat room we have still close to 1200 people there watching on rumble alone and about 240 rumbles we can get that up to 500 easily right now it's one click and it does so much for the show it's a way you can sponsor me on a nightly basis with one click either a thumbs up on YouTube, a Rumble Plus over there on Rumble, 
it goes a long way. Now I want to thank everybody on Foxhole, then we'll take some calls. Cave Toad says, last, the last New Year's resolution I made is the only one I've ever kept, absolutely. No more New Year's resolutions. That's a good one. Paulie9363, Pope Benedict wrote a magnificent book about Jesus. I still have to get through all of uh, Antonio Sochi's book about Benedict. But I don't know which one you're talking about. If you can leave me the book's name in, um, in the inbox, I'd love to read it someday. Sean Joe, thank you for the cookie. Stickman Freediver, thank you again. Homegoy says, bless you and yours, Frank. You have helped me through these black-pilled years. Keep up the great work. Never swallow the black pill. Never swallow it. We need to keep our feet underneath us. We need to keep digging. Dig, dig, dig. Who cares? Outcome be damned. We need to go down with honor. C. Blanche says, I'll be on Tate's side. Yeah, well, I, I, I definitely would like to get some... Um, I would definitely like to get some more conversation going on about what you think is going on with the Andrew Tate thing because as my buddy Moonlit Matt out there said when he texted me about it earlier too, he says, I think that it's a comical series of events that led to this arrest. And yeah, that for what little I do know about the last 24 hours, I just gave it to you. That little tit for tat with Greta the the mindless lefties out there who thought that he got burnt he, he got in he got put into a situation where he uh should be able to and he responded decently he responded decently to uh to Greta the only thing is that in his response to her small dick comment which is the only place that a uh you know a disabled leftist can go to dick size you talk about AR, you talk about guns, and they immediately start thinking about your dick. Oh, you must have a small dick. Why are you, thought, why are you, why are you thinking about my cock? That's weird. We're talking about guns, and you're thinking about my cock. That's weird. They just, oh, they have to go there. But um, he responded decently, but in the response, he kind of doxes himself. And whether or not this is a legit reason to be arrested, if it all pans out to be true, or if it's just God knows what, a revenge, a, a something along the lines of a swat, uh, you know, swatting raid or something like that, who knows? He could be guilty of a crime. You just don't know. The problem is that it all happened in such a ridiculous domino effect of public events that, man... So we'll see. That'll be the first social uh, faux pas of 2023 because I'm, I'm sure that the next couple of days will will bear fruit there. Um, Richard, what was that? Richard Lyles. Thank you so much, Richard. C. Blanche, Keith S., Stickman Freediver. I believe oil is abiotic, made by Mother Earth. Yeah, well, I don't know how the hell it's made. All I do know is that it has been very many years since I thought that dead animals from a prehistoric time, the bodies of dead animals from a prehistoric time is what gave us these massive 500-year pools of oil. That can be turned into these this massive industry. It can't be. 
I, th I, I would, I would, without being able to just, you know, describe how it's made, I would not be surprised if it is somewhere along the lines of primary water, how it is made, how just the, the inner earth is something that is bubbling this stuff to life, just the way that our body, our marrow, uh, creates new blood. I mean, we create our own blood. We, we're, we're not born, we, you know, if you lose, if you lose a leader, it's not like that's all you had. So, yeah, it's been a long time since I thought that it was dinosaur bones that made oil. I think it's actually ridiculous. But most of our understanding of the world is ridiculous if you think about it. Chai Possum says, I took a lot of help from a chat and perseverance. From a chat and perseverance on my part to send you this delicious... What is that? A cookie? Well, thank you so much. And I'm glad that you showed up, Chai Possum. Cave Toad says... This is for Chai Possum, big girl panties being on and her figuring out the pills. That's not the, that's the first time that Chai Possum did pills? No way. I've seen Chai Possum around before in the chat rooms. Was it another, another place? I don't know. Robert Sarn says, are you familiar with Russell J. Gould? Am I? This, this, the name sounds familiar. I just don't, I can't place a face. I am familiar with Robert Goulet. If that's what you're saying. Cave Toad, I love when you have Jeff Harmon on. Thanks. By the way, when's Jim Lee coming back? Very soon. I was texting with him last night. Tangerine 26, thank you. Siege, thank you. Candelicious, lurk you long time. Thank you for your content. Thank you, Candelicious. I love your name. And then last one from Cave Toad says, do you know anyone that you could get on to discuss ham radio? Please do if you can find a good guest. If anybody has a great guest on that subject, get in touch with me and send it to the email. I would, I would love to talk to somebody about ham radio. That would be a great guest. You're right, 100%. I'd have a lot of personal questions, practical questions, end time questions, you know, end of the line kind of stuff. That would be wonderful. All right, let's go and take some calls. 914-595-6953, 914-595-6953. What the hell are you guys and gals doing out there? Here's one thing that I thought was right up a Brave New World's alley. Also from Zero Hedge, the WEF to accelerate push for Metaverse Surveillance Network at Davos 2023. Now, we like to sit back and laugh at Mark Zuckerberg for being the only one who shows up to his Metaverse birthday parties. But again, don't let the apparent, at least at for now, commercial failure fool you for the same reason why the CDC or something like that may fund an experiment that we think to be absolutely pointless waste of money. There may be an ulterior motive. It may be a piece to a larger larger puzzle that through compartmentalization, we are not see being given the full view of things. But if the World Economic Forum, which is an insidious organization, 
filled with, frankly, evil people, is pushing for metaverse surveillance networks at Davos, then obviously there is a... It's got the right sponsors if it's going to have something, a future. During its 2023 Davos conference, the World Economic Forum will host a press conference on its Building the Metaverse Initiative and release key studies as they will release there and details about its efforts to further facilitate what appears to amount to a global surveillance network according to documents reviewed by the dossier. Or the dossier. This is written by Jordan Skatchel. The metaverse, a buzzworthy bumper sticker slogan that refers to a whole host of ideas in technology space, has potential to current and future applications both for private and governmental entities. It will be featured as one of the core staples of the 2023 Davos Conference. What is the metaverse exactly? Well, we know what that is. Immersive virtual reality space and all that. For the World Economic Forum, the narrative and ideas shop of the ruling class, the latter applications are more aligned with their feudalistic ambitions. The WEF is the chief coalition builder for what amounts to the modern depopulation movement. Over the years, they've partnered with big tech, central bankers, governmental, and international organizations to facilitate their feudalistic vision for the future, which involves deliberately rolling back human progress, innovation, and flourishing under the guise of saving the planet from a climate emergency. While various WEF partners have different motives for joining the ruling class alliance, they have an incentive to cater to WEF's more prized climate hoax narratives. Now, as, as far as what this is going to be, the WEF Metaverse press conference event description reads the following. The press conference will announce the first and long-awaited outputs of the defining and building the Metaverse initiative, highly anticipated briefing papers on interoper interoperability in the Metaverse from the government's track of the product or the project and demystifying the consumer Metaverse from the value creation track. These two briefing papers the first in each workstream series will serve as the foremost publications involving this amount of research. This number of stakeholders from diverse industries, 120 plus partners are involved in this initiative into these topics. So defining and building the metaverse. That's, um, <laughs> there you have it. That'll be an interesting place that you can shove people into, which is which is essentially the pods in the Matrix. It's essentially the pods in the Matrix. Let's see. Let's take a call. Rose from Alabama. It's great to hear from Rose at the end of the year. What's going on, Rose? Hey. I just wanted to call and be the first to tell you if I'm not, that's okay. Happy New Year. Thank you, Rose. I believe we're going to be so blessed i mean i was looking at my granddaughter who's 15 the other day and i thought how could anyone look at these precious precious souls and not know they are blessed and i remembered your aurora i i am right there with you it's a daily practice i see it uh not only in, in aurora now but i it's just a new way of it's just a new way of uh, of, of looking at children um especially when we're out in 
in public and you just see little children running around some younger than aurora some a little bit older so i'm already starting to remember aurora from a year ago and i'm looking at children who are about a year or two ahead of her and wondering about all the wonderful things that'll happen in the time that passes and who knows who knows what the the future brings but um yeah there's so much perspective that you just get from observing them don't you rose Right, right. You know, and I see them now. My children are grown. I have a grandson that closed on his first house this November. Nice. But, um, and I have, I'm not big yet, but I'm getting there. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> anyway um, I see those children that are my children's age, which would be your age, and their children's age and all that. And I'm like, all souls matter. All souls matter. You know, they're all God's children. And I was like, there, there is a chance, because I believe in God, that if we pray enough and get our energy high enough and call in his name, that in a twinkling of an eye, he could fix it all. I, uh, I, I'm with you there, Rose. I think that that is going to be a little bit more of a, if in my personal opinion, I think that's going to be a little bit more of a way to fortify ourselves going forward. Because uh, if if our faith in the things that are much bigger than us and all of our petty earthly issues is not backed by proactive and firm um, and sometimes fierce action, then it really is. It's really just I don't know. I. Oh it, yeah, it's got it's oh, got to yeah. be I'm back. I'm here every, I'm here every day or every week, doing my thing in my community and being involved and going to the council meetings and going to the, you know, and I educated myself on constitution and stuff. I ran for office in 2014, and I mean I've been involved for a long time, and I'm like y'all have to get out and get off your butts and get involved, you know. We're, we we have a choice with our constitution. We can govern or we can be governed. And we've laid around for about 30 years and been governed with our fat bellies. And I'm like, it's time to get your butt up and go do something You're about damn right, it. Damn right. I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you on that one, Rose. And you know what? I, I would like to, to, to reciprocate that wish for a happy new year to you and your family. And I can't wait to get more uh, calls from you in the next in the next 10 months, because in uh, in 10 months' time, we're going to be getting ourselves into Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's spirit once again, and 10 months is absolutely nothing. So uh, thank you. Thank you, my friend, for calling in again. You're welcome. Be blessed, John. Okay. Be well. So there you go. There's Rose from Alabama. I always love when she calls in. Let's take a call from D. Swifty. What's going on, Swifty? It's been a while. Hey, Frank, how you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm doing well. Welcome back to the show. Yeah, uh, I've been lurking in the, the chat. I actually changed my name to Crisco Fist. Oh, well, <laughs> okay, so both, okay. Well, I'll just keep that in mind. All right, word. So I just wanted to um, ask you a question real quick. Um, a couple months ago, you had Timothy Gordon on, and he went through Thomas Aquinas' uh, Proofs of God. Uh huh. I cannot, I cannot find that episode in your archive for the life of me. 
And I just became a uh, catechumenate of the Catholic Church, and I wanted to share it with my RCIA. Members. The the proofs, the proofs, uh, the proofs of God existence. That's what you're talking about. That one. Yeah, yeah, Timothy Gordon. Okay. The way he explained it just literally smacked me in the face and woke me up, and that's what made me go to the RCIA and join the Catholic Church. Um, it was. I think that night we were talking about Thomas Aquinas, and yeah, it, it is. I mean, I have this here. I have the whole thing. Well, let me see. I have the... uh, I don't know what day the... I don't know how good your searching is. If you just go on to a a search engine or something like that, and you just type in, quite frankly, Timothy Gordon. Oh, dude, I I was sitting in the RCIA meeting. I was desperately looking for his explanation of it. I found other explanations of it, but the way Timothy Gordon spelled it out on your show was absolutely amazing well um i don't know i don't know where the hell it is i I gotta i gotta be honest i don't know where it is i I would have to go back i think it was a 2021 discussion though i do believe it was a 2021 discussion if not it was very very early 22 if it wasn't 21 it was very early 22 but this is this is what i'm moving uh what, what i've got here on the screen, I just put it right there. This is a, a, a physical file that I have over here at the studio, and it's the entire okay. thread of Thomas Aquinas the, for all the ways to prove the existence of God, and it's it's incredible. We went through the first way. Oh, dude. Yeah. It shook me. Like, I, I got to the point where I was, like, pale and goosebumps. I was driving because I drive for a living. I was like, holy shit, holy shit. I've been living my life the whole wrong way. Well, we got to go <laughs> into this. My wife is a Catholic, and we just got married, like, last year, and she was, like, talking to me about joining the Catholic Church, and I was like, after I listened to that episode with you guys, I was like, I, yeah, okay. Uh, I, there's a, there's so, much reading, so much reading, uh, Swifty, that even I have to do, and I, I can't wait to get my my uh, my personal life a little bit more settled in 2022, so so I can have access to my books again and have a place to just you know sit down and 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 do more concerted and really highly concentrated reading just for my show, the yeah. show over here, and for my own edification. Uh, but yeah, this is something I, I don't know where it is, but I'll uh, let me know if you find it, okay? Yeah, I'll dig through, and I just want to say, Frank, thank you for everything, man. You helped me through the darkest times that we've faced in a long, in a long time. Oh, I, I'm the pandemic ha- was shit. Everything was crazy, and listening to you and my wife agrees. Like you gave us a little bit of a shimmering light of hope. As long as I have somebody to to just screw around with a little bit in the, you know in the back of the classroom. Well, everybody else takes things so seriously. We take things seriously from night to night, but I really do feel that there is a symbiotic relationship here between myself and what I do over here and the audience, and and uh, maybe maybe it is actually God's way, and thanks for the call, and Happy New Year to you and the, the lovely wife. Maybe it is actually God's gift to me that has regulated the size of this show to be effective, fruitful, and um and, and just just really gratifying without having to deal with the shit that uh a lot of these 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 gigantic shows have to deal with
And eventually one day I would love to be one of those gigantic shows because I think that our if our conversation goes international, then then the world really starts melting down. That would be a really good one. That would be a really good thing. I would love it. But everything in time and the fact that everybody's having, most people are having those experiences, that makes me feel good. The Thomas Aquinas thread is something else. Can we get through this quickly? The five, I think it's the five ways to prove the existence of God. The first way, the argument from motion, the unmoved mover. Note, Aquinas is not arguing for the beginning to the universe, but rather for a casual power that is operating right now. By faith alone do we hold, and by no demonstration can it be proved that the world did not always exist. Motion means change. A rose grows, ice melts, the sun converts hydrogen to helium. Change means the conversion from potential to actual. Water is potentially ice, and then actually ice. You are potentially a rose when you plant the rose seed and you you give it proper conditions, and then it becomes actually a rose. A potential cannot do anything because it is not actual. Potential ice cannot make your drink cold or make you slip and fall as it is merely potential ice and not actual ice. A potential rose cannot attract bees or look pretty because it is merely a potential rose and not an actual rose. Because potentials cannot do anything, they cannot make themselves actual. Therefore, something that is itself actual has to actualize a potential. Actual cold air causes the potential ice to become actual ice. An actual running freezer causes the potential cold air to become actually cold. An actual operating power plant causes the potentially running freezer to actually run. This forms a chain of dependence operating right now in the present. Take any number of those things out of the chain, the power plant, the freezer, the cold air, and the ice at the end, and the water won't freeze. Each member of the chain is inert without the next member in place. Inert without nuclear reactions, inert without a power plant, inert without the freezer, and inert without the cold air, the ice is. This chain cannot be indefinitely, infinitely long. An infinite number of inert members cannot do anything. A train with an infinite number of boxcars would not have an engine and would not move. If the train is moving, there must be an engine somewhere up the line pulling the train right now. An infinitely long paintbrush will not paint by itself. If the paintbrush is painting, there must be someone or something on the other end of it operating it right now. So the chain must have one member at the head that drives the whole chain in, in the present. Energy cannot be it, as energy is dependent on further members of the chain, such as force carriers. Since the chain must have a first member at the head of it, that member must be purely actual. Purely actual. Meaning that there is no potential before it. If it were potential, then it would depend on something else to actualize it and would not be the first required member of the chain. A few interesting attributes arise out of something that is purely actual or pure existence. Number one, something that is purely actual with no unrealized potentials must be omnipotent. To not be able to do something, to not 
be able to do something is to have an unrealized potential. Physical substances can change location, form, etc., all of which are unrealized potentials. So something purely actual must be non-physical. So you have omnipotent, non-physical. Something purely actual cannot come into or go out of being as these would be unrealized potentials. Thus, it would be eternal. As the grounding of all true propositions, it would not have knowledge, but rather be knowledge itself. To lack knowledge is to have an unrealized potential. Thus, it would be omniscient to be all-knowing. A flaw or imperfection is a potentiality, and something purely actual would not have any imperfections and so would be perfect. Changeability involves realizing potentials, which is a thing of pure actuality, which a thing of pure actuality does not have. So a thing of pure actuality would be immutable. The only way to tell the difference between two purely actual things is if one of them had something that actual one, uh, one of them had something that the another lacked. But something of pure actuality does not lack anything, therefore there is only one. And this is something, as Aquinas says, to which everyone gives the name God. Omnipotent, omniscient, incorporeal, so there's no body. Perfect, immutable, there's only one, and it is eternal. And this is only one of the five ways to know God. And this is why, as Timothy Gordon would say, Thomas Aquinas was really one of the, the greatest galaxy brains of all time. And this is why philosophy... Philosophy is, is so incredibly important for the flourishing of a nation, of a planet, of a species. This has been, we've been rooked of, of things like this. So I love this. I always keep this one around because I, I like just, it, then, then at that point, it just, it becomes a, a, a really, a, um, it becomes a moment where people are just jockeying over who has the right to call it what they want. God, the universe, something that's more pleasing to their already established biases and, and human sensibilities, depending on what their politics dictate and how they've been raised and everything else. But when you really look at the, the crux of that, when you look at the, the meat and potatoes, and what, how could that apply to what we are going through right now and where we are going in the new year. That I leave to you. That I leave to you, as we've spoken a lot about divine providence tonight and how it may, um, it may affect things in, in the coming months and the coming years and decades. But I, I thank you all again for hanging out with me. It is 8.53. I think that that's going to be it for tonight. Let's see. Um, Anything else? We had some super chats, and we are all caught up there. Perfect. Rockfin, love you guys. Uh, we have Digger's Daughter on Rumble says, For so many years, you've been a constant voice of wisdom. Thank you, Frank. Happy New Year. Well, I'm. thank you. Thank you. One thing I've learned to do is just take a compliment and not shy away from it, and I just thank you. I, I hope that... I hope that we're able to just continue to be that steel, sharpening steel over time. And I appreciate you all for hanging with me and, and being a supporter of the show and sponsors of the show as well. I want to thank Hang 10 Alien Surfer for the, the cookie. 
Thank you, Chai Possum, again. And uh, Curious Patriot says, we love you, Frank. Thank you, sir, for your consistency and nose-to-the-grindstone discipline. Well, I've got plenty of nose to go around. So uh, a couple more years of grindstoning, and I should still have a decent schnoz on me, huh? That's it for tonight. Thank you, guys. Tomorrow is the finale of the old year, and I can't wait to do it with you. And it's going to be more so in your lap as well. It's just going to be open lines, anything goes, and in between calls we'll go through countdowns and best ofs, worst ofs, and... Who knows what pops up from now until then. But uh, thank you all for the for the time. Thank you, Jeff Harmon, for another wonderful evening. And that'll be it for us. Until next time. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is film before a live studio audience. And now our super chatters, starting with Silky Johnson, Stostube, Silky again, Bo Orchid, Black Orchid, Bo Orchid, and Yamez. Thank you, guys and gals. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tiffany Vinci again over there on the Rockfin. Thank you again to Digger's Daughter on the rumble and to everybody watching right now last chance to hit that rumble plus button i will see you tomorrow take care of yourselves and uh have a good night